I'm good. My name is Aiden. My name is Audra. Welcome to the Almost LA podcast. Today is Friday. What's the date today? The, the 9th, maybe? We're in the month of February. 9th? Friday, Eighth. February the 8th. Eighth. Yes, 2019. Um, I think we have an exciting episode today. I don't, I don't know that much about the information, but I know we are doing the... Zoot Suit Riots. The Zoot Suit Riots. That's from the 40s, 40s. correct? Okay. Because we're stuck in the 40s and 50s. We're s- we are. We are. I know, we and which like is weird. T- I've got, I I didn't want to kind of be do the same like era. Right. But um, here we are. Apparently, well, I mean, I'm obsessed. I need to I, work I, out some past live stuff I, on the <laughs> I am just equally. I mean, the the most fun time periods to pay attention to. Well, you love 40s, World War II. Europe's. I do love World War II. You were II. obsessed yeah, that's with true. it when you were a kid. I was talking about the about the other day is how I would like not do my math homework and then I would go and like look up stuff about World War II instead. Yeah, like, you'd, like you'd be like, I know stuff. about all the airplanes from World yeah. War II, but I can't do my math. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's fa- it's more fascinating. Though. It is. It actually happened. It was wild. It didn't happen that long ago. Because math. So lots of crazy happen. details, and it's better than algebra. That's true. Well, that everything's better than algebra. Okay. True. So here we go. I'm gonna play you a song to kind of get you in the mood of the swing music. Okay. That was all about the zoot suit. So hold okay. on a second. Okay. Swing music. Oh yeah. See if you know the song. This is Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington. Can you feel yourself dancing? <laughs> Do a jive okay. or whatever it was. Hold on. So that's. Oh. There you go. And that is, it don't oh, okay. mean a thing if it ain't got that swang. If it ain't got that swang. A classic thing to do from old music is to literally put the genre of music in the title of the song. Right. There were so many swing this, swing that, jitterbug this, whatever. Yep. I love the I love the Nirvana song, 90s grunge depression. <laughs> but um, tss, Oh, wait, I, right. I think I had that. <laughs> I what? for sure I had that. I, feel I think like I, I still that. have it. I think I haven't gotten over <laughs> my '90s grunge depression. It's a Generation <laughs> X thing or whatever. It, it really is. is. So that was Duke Ellington and Louis Armstrong's. Um, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing, cool. which was one of the most popular songs of this little swing era. Right. Um, so this is 1940. What is what we're talking well, the about Zoot here? Zoot just riots happened the summer of 1943, but the kind of kickoff was a um, to kind of the buildup of the riots was this episode called the Sleepy Lagoon Sleepy Lagoon Murder. I don't know why everything's so hard for me to say right now, um, which happened in August of 1942, and. Uh, Basically, what happened was you have a clash between um, about 50,000 servicemen living in Los Angeles at the time, getting ready to be shipped out to war, who were kind of like in their barracks, chilling out, waiting to go. And then you have a Mexican-American community, um, you know, which 100 years ago at the time, in the 1940s, 100 years ago, you know, Mexico owned California. 
Um, so a lot of the kids' parents in the 40s, you know, were first-generation um, Mexicans who didn't speak English, you know, but their kids spoke English, and they were kind of looking to have this American lifestyle, you know, but in these Mexican barrios of Los Angeles. Does that sound familiar? Hmm. <laughs> we live in California. <laughs> God, it sounds no right. different than a lot of the stuff that's going on now. Okay, wait, um, so sorry, there, there's 50,000 servicemen. So about 50,000 servicemen stationed in L.A. at the time, roughly, you know, give or take kind of people wow. coming and going. And that a lot of a those lot. servicemen were from the Midwest or around the country. And, you know, obviously California having a large um, Hispanic population, a lot of them had never even seen a Mexican person before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right out the gate, there's some racism there, just basically from the unknown, you know, in right. probably their minds. So in August of 1942, Hank uh, Lavos and his girlfriend were beaten up by a group of kids from a neighborhood in Downey, you know, which was kind of a neighboring, right, you know, rival do, kind uh, of area. I go to Downey for Cane's, Cane's Chicken. I okay, know where there is. you go, Cane's Chicken. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, and sorry, was this 1943 or two? This is 1942, August of 1942. Okay, all right. So cool. after him and his girlfriend were kind of attacked, they he Hank wanted revenge. And he rounded up a group of friends from his 38th Street neighborhood. Um, and they drove around that night looking for the people that they thought were responsible for, you know, the kind of attack on them. And they drove by the Sleepy Lagoon, which is a really popular swimming hole and kind of party place, hangout place. Sleepy Lagoon is actually not there anymore. It's a, it's dried up and gone. I think it's considered the area of, um, is there a place called Bell? Uh bell there's a bunch of factories and stuff down there right now i sorry okay. i completely spaced out about where it was anyway they roll up on the sleepy lagoon there's a party going on already right there from some other neighborhood kind of kids and hank and his guys roll up on them they start fighting there's like a 10 minute brawl that breaks out somebody ends up calling the cops or the cops kind of stumbled upon it because they were always kind of patrolling at the time and the cops break it up, and unfortunately, they end up finding the body of Jose Diaz, and who was beaten and stabbed and hanging on to life at that point. He was rushed to the hospital, um, and it became a huge deal. Normally, at the time, violence between you know within the Mexican neighborhoods was kind of going unchecked. It was kind of like the, the cops' attitude was, we're not going to get involved. They're doing this to themselves. It's their problem kind of thing. But because of all the tension that was going on between the servicemen and the, and the um, Hispanic youths, this murder became like this catalyst that kind of thrust them into all this stuff that led up to the riots. So um, within a couple of days, the police went out on this dragnet and rounded up 600 uh, Mexican-American kids from the ages of 12 to 25. Can you imagine a 12-year-old? I mean, it seems crazy. But back then... The kids were known as pachucos, which back then meant like punk or kind of hoodlum. Mm, okay. um, today, there's a whole pachuco kind of culture, which kind of um, embraces kind of this rebellious kind of attitude and the certain kind of dress the time and the music the time. Um, actually, if you go on Instagram and look up like the tag pachucos, you can see like, you know, people kind of dressing up like them and in the 40s outfits and kind of listening to their music and. Okay. All that kind of stuff. But back then, they were considered punks of the neighborhood and kind of basically, you know, causing problems. Um, and they dressed in, as zooters. With their, zooters are zoot suitors. So 
zoot suiters, what the zoot suit was, it was a very over-exaggerated form of dress. It was a lot of fabric, big, like, jackets with huge um, shoulder pads, and the jackets would, like, basically go down to your knees. It was very boxy. It was kind of a double-breasted suit, and their pants were very, had a lot of volume, a lot of pleats, and were were pegged at the ankle so very tightly pegged but then they would kind of balloon up into these big pants and then with like very shiny kind of like shoes dress shoes like a pocket watch you know chain with like big chains hanging down from your pocket watch and they'd have like what they call these pork pie hats with these big huge wide brim hats and it was a whole look and then the and the the girlfriends you know they had their own kind of style of dress and certain type of makeup and you know hair done up and everything so it was a whole like kind of look surrounding this swing dance music and the swing clubs and everything that they were doing and it was it was their way of expressing themselves and being different and it started the whole movement kind of started in harlem in new york in the 30s as a way of the kids of that era kind of escaping from the depression it was almost this over-the-top exaggeration of okay, the depression sucked, so what are we going to do to have fun is we're going to kind of do this over-the-top dress, over-the-top kind of, you know, hats to kind of be flashy and out there. And then it, you know, spread across the country, Chicago and and Detroit and eventually L.A. And it was mostly popular around the Mexican-American use, African-American use, and the Filipino-American use at the time. Interestingly enough, it was the minorities that they kind of focused on like oh the minorities are doing this whole thing so it's you know it's rambunctious and they're and they're delinquents but i found this article on in the la times and and this was before so the murder of jose diaz was in august of 1942 this is an article from february 6 1942 before all this stuff kind of freaked out and there's this okay. very white guy his name is Henry <laughs> Mick McLemore so he's clearly Irish right and there's a picture of him in the byline here he does a whole article on zoot suits and how cool it is for the basically the white kids who are working in you know the Boeing like airplane you know industry and stuff and like making like the, the planes the- and making all the stuff like the factories? Yeah, the factories. Lockheed. Yeah. They're called Lockheed and, and girls. You know, the girls that would would work there and the Boeing guys. Um, and to blow off steam after work, they would go to these swing clubs and they would all dress in zoot suits. So it wasn't just the minorities that were doing it. It was the white kids, too. But, of course, this became a race thing. Right. You know, and then it became once the the riots happened and stuff. So this guy, he has, he has this whole, like, two-column article about how fun it is. And he goes down to the uh, Triannan Club which was a big uh, swing and jitterbug club. And he's like, we wear zoot suits. And let me try to find the area where he describes kind of. It says, a coat goes with this, quite a coat too. It has the length, the cut, the drape, and the piping, and the accessories of a coat that is colored, of a colored minister from Georgia would buy for the funeral of a top member of his congregation. Well, that's a little racist. or a chauffeur say who always threw a buck in the plate on sunday morning um just so weird so basically he's you know it's an he's stating also that this was an african-american kind of beginnings of these big flashy kind of suits that people would wear on sundays and they're adopting it in the white community as well 
So that this the, these actual suits started, you said, in Harlem. Right. So this style started in Harlem as an African-American thing. Right. And then it sort of made it its way west, right. as things do. Right. Which made it to the Hispanic population, because there right. probably wasn't that big of an African-American culture here in the 40s, right? Well, there was what there there was. It was it would have been um, more Hispanic people though. There was more Hispanic. Yes, yeah. there was what you know the second this they call it like the second migrant great migration was when like a lot of uh, African Americans from the South moved out west. But oh, okay. that, that's another episode we can talk right. about. Um, okay, so so started in Harlem and then people ad- uh, ad- adopted it, mm-hmm. I guess, um, here in L.A. as a primarily a Hispanic thing, but then uh, the white kids kind of took it on as well. Yeah, they were taking it on as well. I mean, which I think later on became something you didn't talk about, which I found another article about how really? a family like, was, like, embarrassed about their a soldier son who, um, who said that he did an article while he was overseas uh, saying basically, hey, I can't wait to get out of here and then get back into my zoot suit. And then his parents wrote into the L.A. Times and was like, hey, I need you to retract that because we're thoroughly embarrassed that anyone would think that my son would even own a zoot suit. He does not. And it was this whole thing uh, okay. because this was after the riots and everything. So you got, if, you, if, you're wearing, if you're a white kid wearing a zoot suit, you're sort of a rebel. Now, was that considered? I don't think like, they were rebels at the time. I think before all this happened. Yeah. Um, they were trying to adopt the fun times too. To them, it was like, oh, look how f- what fun ever you know the swing clubs are having. This is what you do. Just kind of like kids, you know, a- white kids adopted rap and kind of start dressing like rappers or talking like rappers. And everyone's like, hey, what's going on? You know, it was mm-hmm. no different than what they were doing with the zoot suits. Okay. So he describes in here in this article about the girls in their way of dress. They wore what was called quote defense drapes or defense capes. And they were all made of the same type of material that the guys were wearing. And they were, um, it, it was kind of like this freedom to allow them to to jitterbug with like this big flamboyant cape that they would kind of like move around. So right. it was, everything was just kind of big and over-exaggerated and, and, and flashy. Yeah. Kind of get the idea. So, so this article about, and the funny thing is the article's title is called The Lighter Side. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Which... Which I think he's, it's meant to be like, you know, the lighter side of here's something fun and interesting, but because he's so white and talking about like adopting kind of minority culture, cultural things, it's Mm -hmm. just funny that it's called the lighter side, (laughs) I thought. Um, So going back to the uh, Sleepy Lagoon. After they were all um, picked up, these 600 kids, um, you know, they were basically interrogated. They were all pressured into, you know, uh, seeing if who was involved, what's going on, you know, just basically putting pressure on the community. They ended up arresting 20 kids. Um, one of them was Hank Lavos. He was a known, um, you know, kid in the the neighborhood to the police he had some petty crimes he had a lot of stuff that he would like theft um stealing a car and this is supposedly it the stuff i was reading on him they would arrest him for something and then you know he would get off immediately and let go because his uncle would show up and be like no this is my car or somebody be like i couldn't prove that he stole something so i don't know how much of it was 
you know, him being blamed for certain things, but I think also he was doing some stuff. So he did have legitimate jail time for certain offenses, you know, but he was well known and he was kind of an outspoken kid in the community. And, and so he was quickly kind of deemed the leader of this supposed gang of this, of kids of 38th street, which became mm-hmm. like known as a 38th street gang. But they always, you know, said we we're not a gang. We're just live in the same neighborhood and we hang out. Um, so these kids were kind of railroaded, uh, and the case eventually was taught in law schools about how not to how not to handle like kids coming in. It's called due process, where you have at least some rights when you're you know being charged with something. You get to clean up, you get to change your clothes, you get to cut your hair, you get to be presentable, you get basic rights, and they were all denied this when they are were arrested and had to go before the judge and eventually when they had to go you know in front of a a jury they had to wear the same dirty clothes that they were arrested in day in and day out some of them had dirt and blood all over them from the fights you know they weren't allowed to cut their hair so their hair just kept getting longer so they just kept looking more and more like ruffians you know just more the part which is what the judge wanted them to look like because he was like fed up with it okay so it wasn't really fair so um and why why and why so th- this there's the, the like a group of 600 kids. Mm-hmm. Why were these kids like just randomly picked up? I think the, that they the were something. they were so sick of all the, just the the fighting and the kind of Okay, so they're sick of like the the tension between <clears throat> yeah. the zoot suit the, the cops are just kids. trying to strong arm everybody and be like, "Look, we're just going to pick up everybody." You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. And then of those 600 kids a, gr- a group right, were a group of 20 were, were finally singled out yeah. and eventually charged and went to went to court. Okay. And that was 38th Street Gang. Right. So Hank's, Hank right. and his okay. friends, his side of the story was like, look, you know, I was trying to avenge my girlfriend and I getting beat up. We came upon this party. You know, we found these kids. We started to fight. You know, we don't know who this kid, you know, Jose Diaz is, and we don't know who killed him. Now, one of the girls, um, her name was uh, Lorraine, Lorena. She claimed, event, you know, um, going down the line that she knew who was a part of the murder, but she didn't say anything until almost her deathbed. Um, and girls were picked up as well. The girlfriends of these guys were picked up as well, and they were treated very differently, as mm-hmm. I will talk about later. But the underlying issue became the mayor of and, and the judge and everybody the officials in los angeles kept blaming these kids for wearing clothes and like going to swing music and it was about the lifestyle and they kept claiming that this wasn't a race issue they're like this isn't a race issue this is about the zoot suits and the reason the zoot suits were such a focus was because the federal government had banned any kind of excess fabric at the time so clothing just, stores just to wear because they needed the extra fabric for they needed the extra wool rayon and, and cotton oh, for the war for the war to go to the oh. armed forces to make to make uniforms and all this kind of stuff and so any kind of excess was you know um you would get in trouble for and it was a federal law at the time it was a federal ban and so clothing stores would actually be shut down or fined if they were found that their suits were over exaggerated and big so there was specific guidelines if you had a size 37 suit you couldn't have more of like a 29 to 30 inch inseam of your pants. Your your jacket couldn't be more, you know, of, you know, bigger than this certain size, whatever. Yeah. And places were shut down and, and fined because of it. And servicemen that saw these kids in these big over over exaggerated suits deemed it as like unpatriotic, you know, 
that they weren't for the war, that they were disrespectful of the country because they were, you know, these because boot- they're wearing because they're wearing the suits and they were clearly getting uh, them from, from bootleggers. Bootleggers were still making the suits and selling them to kids. The ironic thing was that most of these kids were either too young to be to fight for the country or they were waiting to go. A lot of them were actually waiting to go into active military. They wanted to be patriotic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's kind of where all that kind of stemmed from. So then they go into, uh, uh-oh. what happened? Sorry, was that me? What? I don't know. It sounded like you... a bass note. I must've hit something on the recording thing. Sorry, uh, I didn't, I didn't hear anything. Um, so uh, one of the defendants, uh, on this documentary I watched on PBS about the Zoot Suit riots, uh, said that you know the cops were blatantly beating these kids during interrogations as well. Oh and wow, really? Hank Lavasse's sister um, and mother went down to the police station, and they were allowed to see him, and he was slumped over, unconscious in his chair, with his arms handcuffed behind the chair. So basically his body was like pushed forward and only being held to the chair by his handcuffed arms. And he was, his lip was so beaten in that it was like hanging below his chin and he was out. And the cops brought them in. were like, here he is. You got to see him now get out and kicked him out. And she was like traumatized on this documentary. She must've been, I don't know, in her forties or fifties or something, you know, and she was a teenager at the time and she was still crying about it because that's how traumatizing it was. Yeah. Um, so they all got convicted eventually and, uh, they went to jail. Hank got life in prison and went to, um, I can't remember which jail they went to up in San Francisco somewhere. The the rest of them had pretty much legitimate jail time, but there became an outrage within like the the Hollywood community. And there was this defense team, um, that, these celebrities got into to kind of get these kids out of jail because the it was so publicly talked about in the papers and then people would go to the courtroom and see these poor kids and they're like this just isn't a fair trial so people like Rita Hayworth and Orson Welles were like major forces in getting these kids out of jail eventually and their appeal was um, reversed two years later and they were all let out uh, in October of 1944 uh, and yeah. Hank Lavaz walked out wearing a zoot suit, which was his like defiant act. But, but while they were in jail, this was kind of the catalyst that set off these riots. So on June 3rd of uh, 1943, thousands of wartime soldiers and sailors and civilians, some say up to 5,000 civilians, plus all these thousands of servicemen, uh, gathered in downtown Los Angeles for a mass lynching, and they were going to grab anyone wearing a zoot suit, and they were they they beat the crap out of them and stripped them of their clothes and burned them in a pile. Holy shit! And there's these horrifying pictures of these kids, some of them as young as twelve and younger, who are completely bloody, naked in their underwear, like litter all of the streets of Los Angeles, with policemen lined up on the streets just standing there watching it, and then piling up these suits and burning them in the street. There was this white lady who was a, a kid at the time who was on this documentary, and she said her and her mother and her little brother uh, got in their car, and they went to the Marine base, and they picked up as many guys as they could in their car to help them get to the riot. And she said she felt like she was helping the war effort. 
that's why she was doing it. And then they also had people as far away from Vegas showing up to help, you know, beat these kids. Um, so basically these kids would get beaten, they would get arrested, they would get sent in. I have no idea where they were keeping all these kids. It just sounds like insanity. Um, and this went on for five days. So these guys, they had some of the sailors that were involved would talk and they'd say like, we'd go get our, you know, our asses kicked basically. We'd get black eyes. We'd go home, we'd ice everything up, we'd sleep for the night, and we'd head back out in the morning and go straight down there and just start, up, start it all over again. So finally on the fifth day, on um, June 8th, uh, the, the military officers that were in charge of these like servicemen realized that they were kind of getting, their, their guys were getting out of hand. No one had died yet, thank God. No one died this whole time, which is shocking to me. They were just beating the crap out of people. Going, beating oh, the beating crap the out of them. I can't imagine I mean, that's like the long-term effects some of these beatings probably had on people. They didn't really talk about it. Wow. Um, but finally they realized, they're like, we don't think we're going to be able to control these guys if we let this go on any longer. They were afraid that they weren't going to be obedient to their their superior officers after a certain time, that this mob mentality was kind of taking over. And the superior officers were like, we need to, we need to stop this before this gets completely out of hand. So on June 8th, um, they made a ban that no servicemen could go down to, to, Los, to Los Angeles. They actually weren't even allowed to leave the barracks. And that finally stopped the riots mm-hmm. and then the next day on june 9th los angeles banned zoot suits um from being worn in the city whatsoever anywhere in los angeles los angeles county which is actually um kookie but if you were caught you would spend 30 days in jail minimum 30 days for wearing a suit yep i wonder if that uh that ban's still in place technically in the law but it's just nobody listens to Interestingly, it. you're jumping ahead, but yes, it is actually still on the books. <laughs> really? Yes, it is still a law. If you wear a zoot suit in Los Angeles, yeah, you can see, go to jail for 30 That days. seems like the kind of dumbass law that they would just be like, well, that was dumb of us. You Sorry, just forget about it. not going to take it away. You just forget yeah. about it. Yeah. Classic America. Yep. Um, wow. So, so the murder charges were actually never taken away. So they let the kids out and... Um, but they still had these murder charges on their record. So a lot of them that a lot of them that wanted to go into the service and actually fight for the country, you know, um, were not allowed to, which included Hank Lavoss. He was actually wanting to go into the Merchant Marines, and he wasn't allowed to when he got out of jail. So his mm-hmm. life kind of took a turn. He ended up dying in an East L.A. bar in 1971. Uh, Lorraine Encinas, who was one of the girlfriends, um, Oh, let me back up. The girls, remember I said the girlfriends got in trouble too? They didn't right. get a trial or anything. They shipped all these girls that were girlfriends of all these 38th Street you know, guys. They sent them to a girls' reformatory um, school until they were 21 years old. So they actually really? got longer, basically, sentences. And this reformatory was known to be horrific. Like, the girls were treated terribly. They had no freedom. They had to live all together. It was basically like a prison. And a lot of them, you know, didn't fare well, it seemed, um, unfortunately. So Lorena Encinas, who was um, one of the girlfriends that said she knew who actually, you know, murdered Jose Diaz, she actually confessed later in her life that her brother Louis was involved in the murder. She said that Louis had gone to that party at the Sleepy Lagoon earlier in the night and had been kicked out for one reason or the other, and he was mad. So he went and got a couple of his friends that weren't at the party. They came back, and they started to fight again at the Sleepy Lagoon, and they ended up 
seeing that Jose Diaz was leaving the party and they attacked him and they beat him and stabbed him to death and they just left him for dead. At that mm. time, when they took off, Hank was kind of rolling up on the same party with his crew to, you know, to get revenge for this attack on him and his girlfriend, not knowing that they had just basically murdered a kid in the area. Uh, so the story that Hank and his friends told were correct. You know, they just, there was no evidence. So that was another reason why they ended up getting let out because there was literally no evidence that anybody had done anything. So Lorraine right. got that off her chest. Her brother actually had committed suicide um, at some point. I don't know. It was years later after the, the riots and stuff and after Jose died. Um, so that was a whole tragic thing right there. But she was very loyal. I think that she thought she was being loyal to her brother and to the 38th Street you know, members by not saying anything. But I don't know if that helped or hurt anything. Um, so, uh, yep. So the zoot suit, you kind of stole my thunder at the end. Um, mm. <laughs> I'm going to say the zoot suits are still in effect today and wow. illegal to wear in Los Angeles. So in the – so – that was a riot. Like, I'd heard of it. And as I was reading it, I'm like, God, I remember this song back in the 90s, a song called Zoot Suit Riot, which is hilarious. Um, what did I do with my phone? There was a big 1990s resurgence of revival of swing music. So I, you've probably heard of the movie Swingers. Yeah. Okay. And there's a Swingers bar in L.A. I think it's still there. So there's bands, um, and the you remember the movie The Mask? I never saw The Mask, but The Actually, Mask is kind of like, yes. You never saw The Mask? I never saw The Mask, what? but he's he's got a zoot. So you know that green, isn't he wearing like a green suit or some suit or whatever? Well, yeah, he's got a, like a mask, like a literally green mask on, but he wears like the big boxy suits, I guess, right? Yeah, and like. that's a zoot suit. Um, anyway, I had my phone. Yeah. Hold on one second. Just here. What, what are you, what are you looking gonna, well, I can look it up for you. These big bands came back. So like bands like Big Daddy, uh, Big Bag Voodoo Daddy and the, the Cherry Poppin' Daddies. Apparently you had to have Daddy in your band name. Okay. Uh, they had the song Zoot Suit Riot. Oh, Cherry Poppin' Daddies, Zoot Suit Riot. Yeah. Yeah. So Zoot Suit Riot by the Cherry Poppin'. I'll look it up real quick. So why was there a revival of... I don't know. I think one of the things I read going back to your, like, it's funny that you said, like, the 90s grunge, because grunge was such a 90s thing that there was kind of the kids that didn't want to do grunge um, and be in dirty flannels all the time. Yeah. Kind of went back to this big, flashy, outrageous time, you know, of the zoot suits and the swing dance music. I remember coming to California to visit probably in, like, 97 or 98. And I remember going to a coffee shop that, like, all of a sudden at some point in the afternoon, the tables were cleared away and, like, everybody rolled in with, like, their, their like, big, like, loose pants with their pocket watches and the girls were all, like, very in their 40s kind of dress and they were all hmm. swing dancing and it was super crazy. And I was like, That's what weird. is going on? Yeah, it was crazy. Did you find the song? Yeah, I do. It's Zoot Suit Ride by the Cherry Poppin' Daddies. Here yep. we go. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that does not. I would not have guessed that that was a song from the '90s. Right. That's kind of weird, and it's from like late '90s too. It's '97. Uh, 
Yeah, exactly. That's what I said. 90 cents. Yeah. I was probably listening to that song in that coffee shop. <laughs> yeah, it was probably that actual song. Isn't that funny? Yeah, they still have. So in a lot of um, Mexican culture, they still, the zoot suit is still like a, is a, is a whole thing. So if you go on Instagram and kind of look around. I did. Like I looked, I looked stuff, at some of the pictures just now. Yeah. It's like a yeah. whole, it's a very cool, like, uh, you know, it's, it's a very, there's hard. a bunch of cool pictures of uh, dudes in like the hats. Right, standing in, uh, like old in front of these like like old cars. Oh yeah, the cars were all cool. It was, like, it was a whole yeah. thing. It's a look. Yep. So that was the zoot suit riots. Pretty that's interesting. W- that's wild. I yeah, mean, at that's the time a, those I didn't... The, those riots were the worst riots in LA history at the time. I really? don't know if they were technically worse than you know the LA riots, you know, down in um, like the Rodney King riot riots. Yeah, the Rodney King riots because I don't know if they lasted longer. I mean. The, I don't think that there was the building destruction and all that kind of stuff didn't happen. It was mostly the amount of people probably there and the um, the beatings and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I, I don't know comparative wise. Well, there it seems like technically worse. But. Maybe there was more robbery and looting in the right. Rodney King riots because this yeah. was just like beating people up and like this was just, specifically targeting something. Yeah. Everybody kind of used that as an excuse to like go crazy. Right. right exactly. Yeah. Rightly so. Um, yeah. All right. Course. Are you ready for a Dorothy Rickety Ricker? Oh, Rickety Ricker, bring it on. Rickety Ricker. I need some this relationship is... advice. <laughs> <laughs> this is your, we should have like a ding dong ding. <laughs> Dorothy Ricker. Mm. <laughs> Rickety Ricker. January 25th, 1959, LA okay. Times, our favorite person, the teenage male column. <laughs> Boys' freedom vexes respectable girls. Uh, again. Just the title. Dude doesn't want to be held down. Girl wants to be held down. Let's see. It's the same thing. Dear Mrs. Ricker, my girlfriends and I are all respectable. Yep. Recently, we were talking about why boys can get away with things that a girl can't. Okay. 15-year-old boys, for example, can smoke, stay out late, go where they want to, have a bad reputation, and it still doesn't mean much. But if girls act this way, they are considered tramps. We should bring tramps back. If a boy fl- if boys flunk out in school, act dumb or skip homework is nothing. But if girls do the same thing, there's a lot of talk about it. Isn't it more important for boys to finish school and have good education since they are the ones to support the family? It really doesn't matter if a girl finishes school or not because her job is to cook and be a wife and mother, right? Oh boy. <laughs> R O W. I have a major problem with that. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> All right, let's see what Dorothy Ricky Ricker says. Okay. Dear Row, I don't know what R O W means. Let's see, Row. Maybe it's like a I don't know. Is that a name, Row? I think it's just her initials. Oh. Dear Row, you are definitely wrong if you believe that fifteen-year-old boys or those of any age can get away with substandard behavior. It may appear that they do, since some people are less critical of boys and girls, but in the end, boys have a have to pay dearly for lax morals or gold bricking their way through school there's a new term gold bricking they fail to make the grade as solid citizens and good husbands many doors of opportunity are slammed tight against boys who fall short in morals manners and the basic knowledge they have should have required in their teens acquired in their teens wrong again she goes rickety rickers not happy with this girl you said a girl has less need for education because she will end up as a cook wife and mother in this, too, you are wrong, since education or lack of it would, will largely determine whether a girl becomes a good wife, 
and mother or just a drudge and scrub woman for the family. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Dorothy. An educated girl can help tremendously in the training and development development of her children. She can raise the cultural level of her family's life. She can understand and take part in community, civic, and church activities. The net result of these things is happier, more productive life for herself and her family. Hmm. Damn, Dorothy. First of all. Dorothy's out the front runner of yeah. progressiveness. 100%. I'm she, she, she's a time traveler. She is a time traveler. First of all, shouts shout out to Nana and Papa. Um, weren't they married in like 1959? 58, 59? 58, I think, yeah. Yeah. So right around the same time. Right. So, I mean, uh, I mean, Rickety Ricker just went off on that girl. <laughs> Wait, what's the shout out to Nana and Papa for? Because they've been married for so long? They've been married for so long. I mean, and, you know, shout out specifically to Papa for being the mailbox terrorizer. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my dad would hit mailboxes with baseball bats and destroy them and it was clearly hilarious to him it's still funny um, <laughs> mailbox terrorizer uh, I wonder if he can still go to jail for that yeah the, <laughs> this I just think it's funny that, that this girl is first of all this is stuff that people think now which is shocking to me this is why these True. articles like freak me out because they're, they're so relevant now. There are some women that are just like, I just want to get married. Still, I hear some of your friends from high school that were like, I just want to get married and have kids. Yeah. There's no ambition beyond that, right. which depresses me. There's plenty of people that are still like completely satisfied with just doing like the normal. And I get, and that's get fine. You know, yeah. I guess if that's what you want to do and you, you know, want to be a state, but embrace it. But a lot of people think that's what they want. And then they become horribly depressed when they're in their thirties and forties when they're like, what have right. I done with myself? Um, you know, but yes, it goes it, the same thing. Kind of like the thing that we were even going back to the zoot suit riots. It was like, you know, these guys are all getting arrested and whatever, but even then in the, you know, a decade before when that was going on, you know, the girls were locked up just as much as the boys were. Um, right. And actually treated more like shit about it. Yeah. It, um, which is a huge bummer, but interesting. So she... Would you be... What if you met a girl and you were dating her and you, and you really liked her and she was like, I just want to get married and have kids. Would you find that, like, cool? And then all the pressure on you to be the breadwinner? Or would are you... And, like, your generation, do you think, is more of, like, I want my wife to have, like, a life and her own thing going on as well? I mean, ideally for me, if I met somebody that was – it depends on your age, obviously, and where you are. Right now, I'm not going to get married and have kids because well, yeah, I'm 18, that. right. But, I mean <laughs> – Yeah. Uh, didn't you – let's go back to the last – you're not supposed to get married to like, 35, 40? Right. Isn't that what I said? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that's the rule. I think where we stand now is it seems like marriage is like almost going out of style, I hope. Mm. I mean, it could also just be like a younger kid thing. None, nobody that I know is like, I just want to get married and have kids, unless you have like a girlfriend or a boyfriend and then that you've been dating for a year. Yeah, those people say. Oh, I just want to get married and have kids, but also you're like blinded by your teenage love because we're right. all still teenagers and we're all still immature about our relationships. Right. Um, 
I I think people, at least all the all the guys that I meet now, my friends, say that they want to wait to have kids. They do want kids, and they do want to get married, but they want to wait a while, and they want like to to be older before that happens. Yeah. And because I think we all see like, at least I feel like a lot of like how how old were you when you had me? Twenty seven. Yes. Yeah. I feel Which like that I look was... back at pictures of me and I look like I'm 12 and I had no <laughs> right. idea what I was doing. Right. Yeah. So like looking back on me. it. Yeah. That's a you, you like 27 is, is still pretty young. I feel it's, like it was hard. I mean, that's for me. That's that's less than nine years from now. That's maybe eight years from now. Yeah. Because you had me in the beginning of the year. So you're pregnant with me at 26. Right. Right. So like that's not that far down the road for me. <laughs> but I feel like I, I'm I still am going to be very immature at that point and not ready for that kind of thing you're already, you know what i mean you're more mature than i was you're now than i was at 27, <laughs> 27. i'm I still had, not ready for kids i had no right having you anyway there you go um yeah. thanks rickety ricker i am gonna figure out who she is i'm gonna stalk her on like ancestry or something i know you have to find out like I'm her so background curious. i want to see her background because i want to so know how old she is i want to know how old she is when she's writing this too if yeah she, you know like if, yeah. you imagine if she was if she's like 60 but she's this progressive it's crazy right. to me um okay we have our house of the day house i sent of the day. you okay since right. we were talking about downtown los angeles and the zoot suit riots right which a lot of that stuff was happening on central avenue hmm. um downtown and downtown has changed so much i think that area now is considered like Chinatown, Japantown area. Where like actual downtown used to be? Or by the Grammy, what was that? So the, the house the, I sent you was the, by the Grammy. Um, I mean, it's museum. literally right next to the Grammy Museum. Uh, and speaking of the Grammys, Staples are Center. the Sunday, so we need to have a Grammy episode. We do need to have a Grammy right episode. Right after the Grammys. So you have to promise to watch the Grammys. Oh, of course I'm going to watch the Grammys. Got to watch the Grammys. Okay. Um, yeah, so the house is downtown. Uh, right next to Staples Center. It's so in, only I don't know what, apartments downtown. There's only like apartment complexes. I couldn't find really anything close to downtown that was actually, there's no homes, obviously. Yeah. Um, and yours is in like an, a, a high rise building. And what is it, $7 million for this? Yes, yeah, so 7.75. Uh, it's like Manhattan prices. Yeah, that's pretty expensive. 37000 a month is the estimated mortgage. How many bedrooms is it? It is three bedrooms, four bathrooms, 4,280 square feet. Wow. It's got super cool design on the inside. It's almost, I don't know what you call this kind of thing. It's like. Uh, like, like panoramic views? I can't really no, see no, the just, just it. No, no, just the, the style. Like, oh, it's got a grand piano, but the style is really it's, cool. It's kind of like modern art, modern for, is it kind of. Um, mid-century furniture with kind of like modern art on the wall. I guess. If you want to check it out, it's 900 West Olympic Boulevard, Unit 43G. Um, we're just on Zillow right now. Style, sophistication, and elegance. This 43rd sec... This 30... <laughs> uh, <laughs> style, sophistication, and elegance. This 43rd floor penthouse at the Ritz-Carlton LA has been completely redesigned and reimagined with the finest materials and home technology. So it's got sick views pool table study there's like a like a foosball machine in, or something in there cool i don't That's know games but kind of place you need do you think yeah, you exactly. live in an apartment like that for a long time like could i live in a, in a big apartment yeah like, like that do you think you could, like there's people that just love to live in apartments and like would never buy a house 
you know what if it, like i i live in an in a it like dorm apartments now but they're it's like an apartment complex mm-hmm. i have uh like my car parked underground but i actually am starting i didn't like it at first but now i actually really like it um so if it was something like this where you're way high up you have like way yeah, more space it's kind of like stuff, yeah. multiple bedrooms you have like an elevator straight to the garage or whatever because obviously expensive it's going to have like nice luxuries like that yeah I, I could i could probably live in an apartment like that for a long time i lived in high rises because when i lived in dc after college yeah and but i never had my first apartments all had laundry rooms like either in the basement or like down in another floor which i yeah. hated that was like my goal like in having life to go just, all the way down yes my goal yeah. in life was to get a laundry room in my apartment that was like my big goal when i was in my 20s and then i had a baby and then right. whatever. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> you squashed and then you're like, oh, all my laundry room goals. Now I need a house. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> a lot of, a, a lot of. Uh, I would go, I think at this point in my life, though, with old, like, it's taking care of a house and like a yard and the maintenance and things falling apart all at the same time. I look at like an apartment like that and I'm like, oh, that seems so easy. Right. But I don't know how long not, I could do it. It's just, it's like if you took the the building part of your house and just put it in the sky. You don't right. have to deal with anything else. Yeah. You do elevators every everywhere. I would just, the only thing I think about is bringing groceries in. That would be, I'd have to be one of those little old ladies with like a grocery, like cart that you wheel all your groceries in like a cart up to your apartment. Yeah. I mean, if you're staying, if you're living in a $8 million apartment, downtown Los Angeles, honestly, just going down to your Rolls Royce and then getting groceries doesn't sound that bad to me. Rolls Royce. <laughs> You know, God. Doesn't sound all right. So, bad. what do you got going on coming up with like music and cool LA stuff? You went to what you did a very LA thing with your friend Fernanda. Oh, yeah. We went to Earth Cafe. We are from we are from California. I was born in the Torrance Beats Hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Torrance, yeah, down at we Torrance. lived we lived in WeHo for a little bit, but we don't do LA things, I feel like, that much. No, we well, no, we, <laughs> you know. Like what am I gonna do? Drag three kids down to Earth Cafe, like a yeah, but okay, weirdo. Sure, sure. Well, no but, one wants to see me at Earth Cafe. Earth Cafe is like where cool people go. No one, no one. I was never cool in hey, LA. You know I always there had were kids. there were families there though. Oh really? Um, they're, they're cool families though. They are. Yeah, they're like some. They're all oh, there was. There was some mom with her like little kid. He was like I don't know, maybe like four year old little boy. Mm-hmm. And she and she was where she was straight up like you know like the big Air Force One shoe or whatever they're called like big white shoes that people have now they're clunky they have the big bottoms they make you taller yeah but I think they're like the the dad shoe like the grandpa yeah. shoes or but something. but they're like yeah. stylish now she had those yes. and then she had like big baggy expensive designer like clothes on but not like she was she was, was like, she wearing a zoot suit <laughs> no <laughs> she oh. was she was dressed like she was gonna later she was gonna drop her kid off at a babysitter and then go perform a rap concert oh right right, right. but she was a mom so that was weird and that was at earth cafe um but it was fun the food was really good i got a i got a coffee and i thought it was just gonna be like a mocha cool like edgy coffee but they brought it to me in this like enormous cup and it was like a hot chocolate with all this whipped cream on it it was like a dessert what's a what's an edgy mocha i I thought it was well because it's earth cafe i thought it was just gonna be like a cool like not Starbucks in a in a plastic cup like crappy little coffee thing. I thought it was gonna be like you know like what was what I'm curious. What is your idea of what an edgy coffee would be? I a, think the edgy a, coffee is when somebody puts a heart on top of it. Okay, exactly. 
it, like That's a, what you like, to a me. like with a little design, right? But instead, it was like the, actually like a your piece co- of cake. your coffee comes out with like a dog collar like around its the cup because it's so punk rock. <laughs> it's gothic. <laughs> it's gothic. It's my gothic coffee. It was wearing a trench coat. And that sounds like the worst coffee shop ever. <laughs> dark, dark coffee. Oh, my mom wouldn't Venmo me for my mocha. Ven- do you do Venmo? Do you do Venmo? Um, no, do you, I'm asking you a question. Do you do Venmo? A little bit. That's I so have funny. it. It's 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 kind of useful, I guess. Whatever. Cool. Um, but so right. yeah, I've got that, and then I'm gonna go see Dominic Fike uh, at the Echo in Echo Park, I guess, on the 25th of February. So it's a little small show, but I think it's sold out. He also has a show in New York that he's gonna play. But cool. that's uh, that should be fun. Looking forward to him playing. More I have shows. a random historical fact about Echo Park that. I have no idea why it's in my brain, okay. but when they were creating the park, the designer kept hearing an echo, and he couldn't figure out what it was. He thought people were messing with him, and yeah. it was actually a natural echo in the park. Really? So, so that's why it's called Echo Park? I mean, mm-hmm. on There's the like nose. a natural weird echo at the park in certain areas. <laughs> so you should go down there and just start yelling. Yeah. I mean, echo, that's, echo, echo. A lot, of pe- a lot of people do that in Echo Park anyway, just start yelling. Yeah, I think they just redid Echo Park, and they opened it, like, last year or the year before. It's all well, brand new. Yeah, I mean, the uh, but what I was going to say is, sp- speaking of houses and moving in apartments, um, moving out in September or whenever the lease is up, mm-hmm. the areas that I've been looking at are Silver Lake, Echo Park, and then I guess maybe downtown, but I don't know if I would want to live downtown in the apartment. Mm-hmm. Sounds kind of crappy. Cool. It'll be fun to live with you again. Just me and you. <laughs> Just kidding. I won't live with you again. <laughs> All right. I think that wraps it up. Pretty much, yeah. So we had Zoot Suits. Recap, Zoot, Zoot, Zoot Suits. Rickety Rickers on point again. And right. you're going to live downtown in a $7 million apartment. Congratulations. Wow. This Today was a great day. It was a great day. All right. Oh, crap. Cool. I got to get going. I didn't realize it was 11. I got to go do a very mom thing and run off to Pilates. So Pilates. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's good talking to you. All right. Well, have fun at Pilates. Uh, thank you to our th- our hundreds of thousands of listeners. Yeah, Nana. Um, let's do a shout out to jo- uh, Jenna. Shout and out to Nana, Jenna. Shout out to Nana. Who and I think Karen's listened to part of it, so I think okay. there's like three people that have listened. All right. So we are rolling, man. If they if they each donate, we'll start a Patreon or whatever it's called. If they each donate a hundred thousand dollars a month, <laughs> then I can buy it. I can buy that apartment. Right. That's your goal. Cool. Okay. Peace out. All right. Bye, everybody.